This podcast you're about to listen to is a controlled experiment using trained intellectual monkeys. Remember that these are the opinions of real monkeys and may not reflect the opinions of the highly trained human scientists in charge. And most importantly, no monkeys were harmed in the making of this podcast. You know, as much as my as much as my cat ruined the very, very, very first question where I was like, hey, Teo, what's combinatorics? I couldn't hear you for half the answer you gave because <laughs> I had no headphones. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm very curious to go back and listen to it because what I assume is going to happen is you're going to give an answer that's very, very abstract and hard to understand. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to start from the beginning and go all the way back to the end. And that entire journey will lead you back to the same question and you'll have from my perspective, you will have explained the concept in a way that everyone can understand. I think we did it. I think it's a cool narrative. I think it's like, you know, one of those movies, those movies where you start where it's like, what are you talking about? Like you just start, you just start with a climax and it's like, and then or one month before this happened and you get the journey of how you got there. And you're like, oh, it makes sense. Cool. You got to you got you might have a cinematic masterpiece on your hands. You're a busy man. We we have things to go, math to solve, um, <laughs> projects to start, equations to proof. I'm pretty sure I butchered all those analogies, right? Uh, that's, that's about right. Yeah. But Teo, we're here in this podcast episode, whatever it's going to be. I agree. Uh, th- th- those are facts. Episode infinity. Maybe we'll just break the number system just for you. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> This is this one. This one's uh, all about you, and uh, you're gonna you're 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 here to uh, tell us why math is so cool, which I'm really (laughs) excited about because I literally know nothing about math beyond um, grade school math. Mm -hmm. I know what the word proof means. It means bread rising. I know mathematicians rise a lot of breads. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. I'm not familiar with that technique. It's it's a different it's a different math field I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, so Mister Mister Teo Gady, uh, can you introduce yourself? All right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm Teo Gady, and I am in my second year of masters at University of Victoria, and I'm studying mathematics. And in particular, I'm working in a field called combinatorics, which is a subfield of mathematics. So before we get into um, a deep dive into everything, let's just go specifically and kind of just set um, the groundwork of you and uh, what you do. So you're a mathematician and you work on combinatorics. 
What is combinatorics? Because I'm sure that word's going to come up a whole bunch if that is your entire field. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. What is combinatorics? I, I guess so. You can kind of divide okay, math into like two or yeah. I'm going to make everyone mad and just say two areas. <laughs> I feel like if any mathematician watches this interview, they're just going to be mad. Like, like there's no mathematician who listen to this and be and be like content with it. Um, uh, so yeah, there's like um, mathematics involving basically infinity and continuous systems, you know, where you can always sort of like zoom in and you, you you never get to an indivisible piece and then there's mathematics involving um uh divisible objects and things like this so like for instance the integers one two three four five there's no way you can get between integers uh, if you're um just working in integers uh, but if you're working with like real numbers then you can zoom in infinitely much in between uh one and two in combinatorics, we're typically interested in uh, discrete sort of uh, mathematics, where everything is can be divided into fundamental parts. It's sort of like a, <laughs> a broad philosophical distinction. <laughs> um, going meta a little bit here. Um, what factors makes it tough to like for academic types to talk about what they do. And so something I'm finding for myself right now is that like, I'm, I'm comfortable talking about combinatorics to mathematicians. <laughs> I can use some, some language that, that everyone knows. But then, you know, if I'm trying to explain what I'm, you know, like my field to a more general audience, I am like constantly tripping over myself, <laughs> trying to come up with like, uh, intuitive examples or like a, a less precise language and so i that has the effect of just me rambling <laughs> it's 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 one thing that um is actually very very fascinating about um talking about research in these these super high level topics um which is one of the reasons why you know i i kind of i mean i guess you and me and and and, and uh, gunner whenever we find him in the uh 15th dimension um that these topics are very hard and it's and it's usually why a lot of people don't get to learn or experience about them um because you because you kind of run into two mental roadblocks at least from my experience um one roadblock being that you don't researchers don't often have an opportunity to talk about what they do to other people who are outside their field because I don't know, you just don't, you're so busy doing whatever you're doing. And which mm -hmm. usually means that all your practice you've had talking about what you do is you can use jargon. You can use vocabulary words that allow you to compress probably about a 30 minute explanation down into a singular word. Yeah. So, so it's, <laughs> so it's a lot of that. Um, and then Secondly, um, you have a you have a scenario where sometimes there's even shame to talking about things not using the official language, 
at least from uh, what from what I'm experienced, where yeah. if if you if you try to make the subject approachable and you try to remove those vocabulary words, sometimes I experience that people are very angry that you're not using the vocabulary words because they just think it's fact that everyone would know these words. I'm like, well, no, not a lot of people do know these words. So I should, and, 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 you know, as an, as me as an educator, I, I, I want to, um, use words that everyone can understand. So I'm going to remove them. And everyone's like, I'm so mad that you're removing the words. Do you even know what you're talking? Like you kind of get that mentality a little bit. I feel like in particular because it might come across as like, oh, okay, well, if you don't use those words, then you're lying and and you're like being dishonest. Yeah. And that's deplorable, especially in academic circles. Like what? You're not telling the truth. My goodness. So a lot of, so a lot of this, uh, me chatting with you is trying to get that information out of you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, so you work with combinatorics. You you kind of gave a brief um, introduction to that. We will I'll, I'll, we'll try to we'll try to unpack um, what that is. But I'm I'm going to take this 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 line of questioning on a little bit of a detour, a little Sounds bit a little bit a little bit out of the norm of how we have been doing the last um, couple episodes. Oh my goodness! And. Uh, just to throw you a curveball, just to make your life a little, a little bit even more stressful. <laughs> so, 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 Teo, you were, you were a younger man at some point, still with the glorious massive beard, but you were younger at some point in your life. True. I, I, I don't think you've quite solved how to go around an infinite circle yet. But when you were, when you were a younger. Um, child were you were you always interested in math or what 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 was your initial desires in life what what were you what were you foreseeing for yourself yeah uh definitely not math um uh i've always been pretty like intellectually curious and um like being creative and stuff like this um but no uh when i was in uh, grade school, I didn't do very well in math. Uh, I think usually like C plus sort of student. And um, yeah, so, so so the math came later. W what I sort of saw saw for myself was um, pursuing something. Um, well, I, I, I was very interested in like philosophy and uh, writing uh, and music. And um, it's like w when I finished high school, I started out by doing an arts degree in creative writing and philosophy. And yeah. And what what draw you drew you to those particular topics um, over mathematics at that point in your life? What like what what made you, you know, when you finished grade school, what made you kind of go, you know, my two callings, creative writing and music? Right. So um, I, I was I was really intellectually curious, and I hadn't been persuaded that mathematics was an area to get into if you were intellectually curious. You know, in grade school, it's very uh, calculationy and memorizing, <laughs> so you're rewarded for sort of being really fast at calculating things and 
um, knowing facts and stuff. And so I, it really didn't seem like a, an area that uh, was amenable to, or the, the, an area that could really be explored. I, like it just sort of seemed like this mechanical thing. Um, but uh, f philosophy and and music, you know, were very obviously exploratory areas. You know, you can listen to a whole variety of music, and it can affect you in a variety of ways. Uh, and so, why does it do that? <laughs> and what kind? What different types of music affects you in different types of ways? It's it's very interesting. And um, and of course, f f philosophy is, is 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 very charismatic. You know. Uh, is you can ask why or what is of anything <laughs> and, and then writing is is a way to explore all that it's you know if you, if you can write what you're thinking then so, so those those initial areas of interest was there was there maybe a particular like event in your life that you could that really you could distill down to what sparked your interest in those areas maybe it was your first i don't know you you, you saw a piano and you're just like this piano was just like you know god rays are coming down and just like lighting it up and you're like this is a sign from some sort of divine being that i love the piano yeah well two two moments come to mind and uh, a little bit of a backstory uh seems important too um with, with writing um i i started writing uh fair amount when i was like 16 and um I was homeschooling at the time, so my mom was teaching me a lot, and uh, I ended up sharing some of my stuff with her, and she was just really encouraging. She was like, "Oh, you, you can, you, you, you're good at this. You should keep doing it." And that, you know, that just that that one statement like really uh, did a lot to encourage me to just keep it up, and now it's just a part of what I do. Um, and when I was a teenager, I was this is a backstory. I, I was like super into tennis. And it was like, it was like, the, you know, if you, if, you, if you talked to me then, I would have told you, I'm going to be a professional tennis player, that kind of thing. Like, I was really intense about it. And um, uh, something happened when I was uh, 18. I was in a car accident and got a concussion, and I couldn't play tennis for, for a long time. And so I, that, that caused a shift in my perspective. Like, okay, well, what's important? Uh, I don't think I really need to play tennis. I, I'm more interested in exploring uh, music and intellectual things. And that I, I really haven't actually played tennis much since then. Like maybe like less than five times. <laughs> like it's been a long time. So it was. It was. It was a um, kind of the creative writing was just something that kind of came to you as something you enjoyed to do in your schooling, and the. Um, piano, I guess, just came to became a mandatory pastime. Like, did you have a piano already in your house, and you're just like, I'm just gonna fiddle around with this while I recover? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. There was a piano in the house, but also there was a, a cello uh, that needed to be fixed. And uh, right at that time, I was like, you know what? I want to play the cello. I'm gonna fix this cello. <laughs> you fix the cello? Like, what is that? Like, were you? Did you just have to restrain it? I didn't or? fix it. Okay. No, okay. I just I took it to a music store. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> also, I'm really good at woodworking, and I like yeah. glued yeah. it back together. Put my luthier hat on, and just, it, just I knew what to do. <laughs> no, um, yeah. So it was, it was cello, cello, and piano. Um, 
at that time. I think with the with the writing, I I don't know. I was I, was, I feel like this is this is common with with people who like to write, but uh, um, it was sort of a refuge for me. I felt like um, just just totally free when it's just you know myself and a piece of paper or a word processor or something. Um, you can just write whatever, and it, yeah, it. it it's sort of a, a a path of liberation or like a, a means of self-liberation and 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 so the, so so we touched on the the the, the piano aspect we touched on the creative writing aspect out of curiosity where did the philosophy come in like was it a the way you talk about philosophy and the way that i'm interpreting kind of what you said so far is mm -hmm. was it did it come from a desire of being with your curiosity being unsatisfied like grade school might have been something where it's just like you know memor memorize these facts and 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 you're you're just here to you know in, in let's say in math you just are given a problem you just make an equation out of it you solve the problem there's no there's no curiosity about the why there's no thinking abstractly to si try to solve a problem is yeah. that where you were like the idea of the I'm drawn to the idea of philosophy because I crave more intellectually stimulating thought. Yeah. 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 Um, um, I always really enjoyed uh, intellectual conversations um, where you know we're typically two people and we're talking about some third thing. It's an abstract thing, and we're trying to understand what it is, and explore, and what we think of it, and how we feel about it, and and entertain different possibilities, and and hypothesize and stuff. Like, the, I'm, not, I'm not really sure where that comes from, but I, I've I've always been really really into that, <laughs> and, and 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 I definitely felt very frustrated in grade school, uh, very very frustrated. Um, and not not being able to uh, pursue that uh, as much as I would like, would have liked. So then you um, then so so then you went into um, university and you and you I think you're saying specifically university you were pursuing an art degree. What was the, what mm -hmm. was that art degree you were then pursuing? Was it uh, music it was just, or was it creative writing or was it a general <laughs> art degree? It's just a general art degree. Yeah, I was just taking creative writing and philosophy courses mostly. And I also took biology because I was good at biology <laughs> in high school. But yeah. So what was the what was the what was the that that narrative shift to to move you from those mm -hmm. fields to almost I guess overnight be like, hey, I like mathematics. You're taking an arts degree. I'm assuming you don't have a bunch of mathematics classes you have to take. Yeah. 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 I didn't really like see it out of necessity um from the arts degree um i think what happened whew, uh, i think there are a lot of factors and, and it was a slow transition it was like arts degree and then i was like ah oh, you know what science i want to do science and so i'm gonna do biology and then i was like ah oh, you know what i'm gonna do biochemistry and you know what i'm gonna do math <laughs> and, and how long did that how long how how long of a time span was was that just for context yeah like two years Two and a half years, maybe. Two and a half years to go from starting from philosophy to going to mathematics. That's not too 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 bad. 
Yeah, well, like I, I, I declared a math major, I think, at the end of third year, my undergrad. Yeah. So, 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 what do you what do you attribute to that change and that shift? How did it happen? I, think I so the, I think the first step was like from arts degree to science degree was I I was underwhelmed with the courses that I was taking in arts, and they didn't seem um, I, I, I didn't. Like, it didn't seem that hard, I guess, like, or, or that serious or that, uh, uh, I guess interesting. Like, yeah, um, I, I will say that the creative writing was like one of my favorite courses that, that I ever took. Um, but, but after first year philosophy, I didn't really, I wasn't that impressed with, with sort of the options and it, I was interested in challenging myself and like really trying to do hard things. And I, I got the impression that science was harder and, and that it was, yeah, I, I, I was convinced that it was, that it was, it was good for me to try to do as hard of things that I could. Um, and so I, I leaned more towards science and then to do a science degree, you need to take calculus. And so I took calculus <laughs> and I just really liked it. It was really fun. Um, you didn't take calculus in high school or anything like that? Nope. It was your, it was your first. Okay. And what, right. Oh, actually, I, so I, I had math 11 uh, going into university. So I didn't even have math 12. So I had to pick that up over the summer uh, through distance. And um, and then I took calculus. After were that. you were you good at math? Uh I don't know. I don't know how you could quantify that, but I was yeah, just curious uh, what your relationship with math was back then. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, I know what you mean. Like, you know, like high school math or something. Yeah. Um, I was, I was uh, good at it if I really tried. Um, it wasn't, and it's never really been like super easy. Like, I don't have to think too hard, and then it'll just make sense. Um, Yeah, I I'd say uh not really maybe at the time like yeah like is I go ahead. I was just going to say like like if 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 it wasn't so I'm just curious if it wasn't so easy for you then do you do you still find like I don't know the level of tra challenge to be just as hard like are you still finding that oh. the now you still have to um put in the same amount of effort you just enjoy putting in the effort more or is it is it now coming easier to uh, you um i i think now that i'm at a place where it's way more important to have creative ideas than it is to calculate things quickly i it's it's easier for me um like that's more what i'm good at it, like if you asked me to do a big calculation with like really like, like some big really annoying algebraic calculation i'll probably mess it up <laughs> um but if like when it comes to like understanding a structure and like, and like figuring out what conjecture might be reasonable and and trying to prove it i i'm i'm i think i'm at least average at that compared to other mathematicians and and, and conjecture and, and and proofing that's basically like what math rules you apply to prove some sort of statement as true 
Right. So a conjecture is the thing that you think is true, but you're not, you, you don't have a definitive explanation for why. And then a proof is the definitive explanation for why it's true. Got you. And, 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 and so what, what, what was different about calculus that made you be like, I like math now. It's funny because calculus is very calculation-y. It is. <laughs> like it's, it's not, it's not a proofy type, type of thing. Um, it, a big piece was the instructor. Um, she was very positive and fun and made it very uh, exciting and made math seem like a very exciting open thing. Um, and, and, and she didn't shy away from notation. And uh, which, which was helpful for me um, because, uh, you know, we were talking a bit earlier about jargon and uh, academic uh, circles and you know you can have one word that means half an hour of explanation <laughs> and a lot of m m most mathematics uh, mathematical concepts uh, you know if you're trying to use words it would take several dozens of pages to describe what was going on but uh, you could equivalently describe it in like a 10 symbols in a sequence. And, and so n notation uh, is, 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 is a really powerful way to package up and uh, package up ideas and concepts to then work with them. Uh, and, and she was very, um, uh, she, she was not hesitant to uh, uh, use, use notation. So I, I think in that class, I, that was the first time where I saw some uh, pretty deep ideas like, like a limit and derivative and stuff um, discussed and introduced in a, like a formal way. And I, th I think that was enough to, to persuade me that, ah, if I look deeper into this, I will find depth and interesting things to explore. What do you mean by what do you mean by it was the first time it was introduced in a formal way? Was it do you mean like right. it was introduced the, the first time in there was, you know, context for these topics and how they relate to the real world? Um, uh, or, or, do you, or do you mean something <laughs> different? Like you're just like, I'm right. really stoked that this was explained to me in raw math abstract terms. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Um, like, like it was, it was just like, okay, here's the definition of a limit. This is what it is. It's not like some picture with hand-waving lines and, you know, uh, or some application, you know, if you run really far in the distance and uh, I don't know, like, like no, here it is. This is, it's, it's this one sentence here with these symbols. This is, that's what it is. <laughs> and so it, and that's what I mean by by making it like formal and uh, using notation. Um, the reason why it's nice is because it makes it really tangible and concrete. And it's like, oh, I can work with that. Oh, it's a really tangible, concrete statement. Oh, cool. Okay, so that's what a limit is. And now, how can I use it? Or, you know, how can I build off that? Out of curiosity, just this kind of makes me think. Um, how how. Everyone, everyone in like an education field will yell at me, but I think this is probably the fastest way I can ask this question. Do you consider yourself like 
a visual learner at all. Again, it's not a real education <laughs> concept, so I'm so right. I apologize. But um, like, do you? <laughs> it's think, useful to ask. Them. Yeah. Do Do you think in thoughts or, or or pictures a lot, or do you think in <laughs> words? Like, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't really know what that means. Um, uh, both, I guess. <laughs> well, so, so so it's kind of interesting to me because, like, you know, um, as 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 a high school teacher, I find that a lot of students, um, when explaining concepts, not even necessarily math, just any concept at all, um, a visual picture is worth, you know, that that phrase of pictures worth a thousand words. People in general yeah. like the picture rather than you know someone busting out a dictionary and giving you the dictionary definition which is kind of what you know the mathematic notation would be it's like oh here's a bunch of symbols this is the mathematical yeah. definition um and it sounds like that's what you were how you were taught a lot but you don't your your brain for some reason doesn't seem to like that ah i i see uh i don't think that's true i i think um it's it's more that i feel like the formal definitions were sort of withheld from me and or, or not emphasized like they're there but they don't matter let's focus on the intuitive stuff and no I, in fact I, I really need the intuitive visuals to learn something if i'm trying to learn something new i i, I want to see some examples and, and in fact when i think about uh mathematical concepts that i work with in my own research or just in general um i often have some like basic example that shows up in my brain like oh yeah okay that's what a, that's what that looks like that's the flavor of the thing um and that's just like a particular case of a infinite class of structures or something but so so yeah when it comes to learning i definitely want visuals um and it's more that i felt i feel like the formal presentation of mathematics um was sort of withheld from me until calculus <laughs> that's, that's 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 kind of fascinating it's like i'm i'm intrigued by this idea because none of like like it kind of reminds me of like the kid who is like grew up in a family and, and and their parents say you know you can't have sugar you can't have sugary cereals and you know that 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 denial <laughs> of the sugary cereals is what kind of enticed you into mathematics <laughs> yeah maybe yeah I, I i don't know i i think it helped <laughs> um like the way I see it is, you know, I was always like really curious about ideas uh, and, and interested in abstractions, um, but didn't have a way to like a like a like a great way to to pursue it. And mathematics uh, apparently was like a really good way to do it, um, but I I, I didn't discover uh, mathematics until late. And then, you know, I guess, I guess because I was withheld from <laughs> the sugary cereal, <laughs> it, 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 it made the uh, discovery even more uh, um, tasteful. <laughs> do, you ha do you happen to feel like, you know, you know, now that you're kind of in mathematics, do you feel like you're part of a cool kids club? Yeah. Yeah, a little you're bit. Like, I, I know this thing no one else knows and I understand it. Oh, uh, I, I don't know if I feel that way. I... I I definitely feel really cool being a mathematician. I, I I feel really cool, like you know, walking to the university with nothing but like a 
piece of paper in my pocket and a pen and then just walking to the chalkboard and then just doing math and then going home like <laughs> that that feels really cool to me it's similarly to like going into a, an exam like a math exam it's just you and a pen in your mind i, I don't know like I, I have a really romanticized view of, of being a mathematician in, do you in that sense like, do you specifically look for the room with the with the uh, chalkboard you're like, I refuse to use whiteboards. I want the room with the chalkboard. I got my chalk in my pocket. I want to be a classic. Um, oh, yep. what's that Matt Damon movie? <laughs> oh, uh, I forget. I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, right? yeah. The one yeah. where he's a, math, he's, he's a math janitor or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Goodwill hunting. Um, are, are, you, are you trying to like, or do you specifically look for the, for the, black, uh, the, the blackboards just to uh, channel your inner Matt Damon? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love chalk. <laughs> it, it feels way better to me. I, I'm, a, I'm a total convert. <laughs> um, I, I, I maybe want to go back um, a little bit in, in this story, just, just, for, just for a brief moment. Um, you were talking about um, this one mathematician, in, I think it was your calculus professor, you said, and um, yeah. they, 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 they introduced you to the concepts of um, um, mathematics in a way that you, you, you really liked. I'm just curious, was, is there any... Is there any particularly memorable or, or, or story you have of them that you think you'll carry with you for the rest of your life? Um, uh, let's see. Well, uh, I mean, two, two moments come to mind. I, well, okay. So her, her lecture style was just really energetic and, and positive and um, determined like she knew that most people in the room hated calculus and she knew that most people in the room did not want to be mathematicians um and and i i, I could tell that like i mean i don't know her very well but i i i really got the impression that like that made her sad in in, in kind of a deep way that like that um she didn't I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't want to get too much into it, but there's. I really ad admire her determination to still be positive and still like bring in the energy to to, to the lectures, um, and and just teach the heck out of limits, you know. <laughs> um, even though like like maybe five percent, ten percent of people in the class are or uh, only that many are like really keen. Um, so uh, there's this one moment uh, that that comes to mind and she would do this often, but you know, uh, often in mathematics, you wanna like assume that something's true and then see what the implications are, right? So she'd, she'd write, you know, assume such and such thing. And, and she'd like underline uh, ASS and then you and then me and me <laughs> and just making this like little joke of like you know what do we do when we assume uh, you know make an ass out of you and me you know <laughs> and that's it's sort of a it's uh everyone knows that joke but like she would still just make it all the time <laughs> and i don't know it's, it's it's a little thing but it it represents the sort of spirit that she wrought into the lectures that I really admired. That, so that's one one piece. The, the, the other memory, which is you know a very uh, mathy thing, but 
one lecture she started lecture writing out the formal definition of a limit it was like epsilon and delta and stuff like this and it's like this really complicated thing but it's like one line and you can describe this like really beautiful complex concept and that just like totally blew my mind <laughs> and, and 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 so do you find that you like you you've carried this this spirit with you into your own TAing, or do you try to i try to yeah it's really hard um <laughs> uh largely because i'm like really new to teaching and i have a lot of other things to learn other than just being like positive and determined <laughs> although, although that is a big piece um but but yeah I, definitely in tiang but i think also in research too like uh and 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 just in in mathematics generally at any level like persistence and perseverance is so important and it's it's really like you really have to be optimistic like irrationally optimistic to to do well in mathematics i think and and that's that's sort of a a, a key thing that I think maybe a lot of people don't pick up on. I certainly didn't pick up on it until I took calculus um, with that instructor. So you moved. You 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 now have your spark for mathematics in you, and you transitioned, and you eventually finished your degree, and then you went and you 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 finally did your dream of um um pursuing mathematics and a master's degree in mathematics. Um, <laughs> what drew you to this combinatorics specifically? Hmm. You know, there's only two fields of math, as you said. What drew you to this one in particular? Yeah, well, okay. Uh, I think I want to step back a little bit and uh, contradict my earlier statement that there are two fields of math. Uh, so, so, so there are two fields of math, continuous and discrete math, but then there's also two, two other <laughs> ways of dividing mathematics uh, in applied and uh, pure mathematics. And applied mathematics typically involves like, you know, you're, you're trying to model systems using equations or other math structures. And then pure mathematics means that you're studying sort of abstract things and you're trying to figure out what the properties are. And the way you do that is by proving theorems and defining new ideas that are helpful and interesting and improving things with them and so on. Um, I, I found, you know, this is probably clear at this point, I'm much more interested in the abstract things and not so interested in applications and uh, modeling things. So uh, I was drawn to... Uh, excuse me, uh, pure mathematics. And I think what draws me to um, discrete mathematics, which is very, very much related to combinatorics, is, um, is the... Hmm, you, you're sort of holding on to... like You have a really solid grasp of the objects that you're considering 
you're not like smoothing out, smoothing, smoothing them out by taking a limit or, you know, looking at a continuous variable or something like this. You are, you know, you have 10 objects and they're combined in a certain way. Uh, or, or, or maybe you're interested in all the possible combinations of the 10 objects or something like this. The, there's a finite number of things and they all have a different structure that you can look at. It, it, it just, uh, I, I really like the flavor of, of that kind of mathematics. Um, maybe, maybe it's like a, a, I feel a sense of security that yeah, I know that the structure I'm looking into there's there's a finite number of them. <laughs> I don't have to worry about, um, you know, are there enough atoms in the universe to, uh, like, make sense of the information or something. Um, yeah. <laughs> does that answer your question? <laughs> that, that that does. It brings up my second my, my follow up question perfectly. Um. So so you like mathematics? You 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 like the mathematics that is very abstract and doesn't necessarily have a easy real world application is, is that fair for me to say yeah i i'm, I'm not interested in that I'm, I'm more interested in like you know is it elegant is it parsimonious so, so my so so my my, my follow-up question to this is do you do you ever struggle mentally with this and what i mean by that is like your mental health you have you because like a lot of a lot of the guests we have on here um even myself um we can all talk about what we do in 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 in, in, in a in a real world um application sense we can we can apply everything we do to the real world and and one of the benefits I guess you, you, I can say to that is it's really it's a lot easier to understand why someone is fascinated by what they do and what they're interested in because you can say hey look I can I can you can conceptualize what I'm talking about because if I say a whale you can picture a whale right if, if, <laughs> if I say you know a brain people can picture a brain they've seen it in some sort of um, cartoon diagram um Whereas you to try to explain that, you know, people might be just picturing modern art pieces. Like, what am I exactly looking at? Like, I, I, I don't under, I don't understand. And, and, you know, from my outsider looking in perspective, mm -hmm. I can find that to be a very mentally, a possibly, at least for me, a mentally stressful place to be, because it'd be very hard for me to get across why I love what I love. You're kind of like you kind of like outcast yourself in that way maybe do you feel do you ever right. feel that or do you just kind of like you just kind of i love what i do don't judge me i this is this is what i love <laughs> uh yeah I mean, in a sense i mean I, I think the way i see it is i know that if i anything i prove will be true forever that just uh, it's there's no there's no way around it <laughs> and so I think in that sense, I'm thinking I'm less talking to or in or trying to make contributions to people today or society today more like I, 
I'm equally in invested in the idea that any result I come up with is useful to people today as they are useful, as they may be useful to some totally different civilization 30,000 years from now, you know? <laughs> so I, I feel like I'm part of a human society with over a long time span. Um, so that wasn't totally your question. Uh, but I guess in a, in a general way, I feel I, I do feel connected. I feel like my work is connected to human society in that sense. Um, though, yeah, I, I don't feel like uh, it's that connected to today or you know my my neighbors across the street or something like it. Yeah, I I don't think I can really. Uh, persuade people that what I'm doing is like just like obviously like really good or something <laughs> but you, and, and you, you but you, you don't feel particularly isolated from that you seem content yeah so I think another piece too is that like you know I, I um I can have my hands in many honeypots I guess like <laughs> like I can work on a lot of different things and um while a lot of my research might be like totally impenetrable to to people, and I, I should add a caveat there that like in combinatorics, that's not totally the case. Like it, you know, like if, if I, I feel pretty confident that if I sat down with like an average person in the public for like five minutes, I could tell them what I'm doing. Um, but I would need a piece of paper and to be able to draw pictures. <laughs> um, whereas in other areas of mathematics, that would not be possible. Um, uh, oh, shoot, I, I got sidetracked on the caveat, and I don't remember what I was talking about. <laughs> Maybe let's put this you know, back, because apparently uh, grade school is my uh, go-to analogy with the playground and everything. Um, you really, really, really like something. Let's say, you know, I'm in grade school and what, what what's something that is abnormal to like um i really really i'm the kid who's absolutely stoked on um komodo dragons i absolutely right. love komodo dragons everything yeah. else sucks komodo dragons are the absolute best i'm fascinated that they eat people um but i'm kind of like outcast for that reason i'm kind of i kind of feel isolated because there's no one else who shares there's in a world of 7 billion people, there's someone out there who shares my mm -hmm. joy. There's That's why there's an entire field of mathematics. But most of the time, it's 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 quite isolating because unless I'm in, you know, the Komodo Dragon Society building, or like in your case, I'm in the mathematics building with um, other graduate students or other professors, mm -hmm. I can't really share that part of myself. It's, 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 and, and therefore you know, it's, it, it's isolating. You know, I, I go to a coffee shop and I'm sitting there working on, you know, on a, a math problem. Um, I don't really know what mathematicians do in the day. That's gonna be my next question. But, um, you sit there working on a math problem in a cafe and, you know, you know, the barista comes over, they, you ordered, you, what do you like? Cappuccinos? You look like a cappuccino guy. You, someone orders a cappuccino, brings you over a cappuccino, puts on your thing and they say, Oh, what are you doing? You're like math. They're like, Oh, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. <laughs> And like, you know, yeah. they, they might even ask that awkward question of like, oh, are, are you like an undergrad student? 
because no one would ever see like no, no like i'm doing a master's in mathematics yeah um so, so you know you, you kind of already have that assumption where people are just like oh you're doing math because you're in some undergrad general degree and um by the way i also don't like math either because that's kind of the the narrative that everyone has sure. and so i'm just not even going to press you on what you're doing because i could frankly care less um do you yeah does that does that affect your 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 day-to-day -day life in any way or or are you pretty content you know i i think i am actually pretty content like i don't know i i um i, I don't really like uh, certainly in like a coffee shop sense or like if like I don't mind being the kid in the corner who's just doing the thing that he's really into. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. I, I think it isn't. I, I, I think I used to have a tendency to like really identify with that isolation, um, and I, and I have since. Uh, decided not to do that <laughs> and that like that's not really that helpful uh and and like healthy for me and also it's kind of narcissistic in a sense um so i i think i i i, I, I sort of see it as like like my interest in mathematics in relation to other people as like this is just this thing that i really like to do and hey you know it's it's good for some fraction of a percent of people to be into this and so you know i'm 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 part of that group and that's that's what i'm doing <laughs> but but it's like yeah uh, there's no like sense of superiority or like uh feeling of separateness or like from from everyone else it's just like this is what i do <laughs> i mean that's 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 absolutely that's kind of like from like a mental health perspective an amazing amazing and um place to be and also potentially surprising because the 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 motivation for that question was you know this this isolation aspect of it and the 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 other motivation is you know we we you did your entire master's I think in a pandemic where most of your interactions with people were, I believe through zoom for the most part, probably yeah, zoom, more often email. zoom and email than not. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, it was like zoom and email with everyone except for my supervisor, which we were able to fortunately meet uh, outside on walks and things mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and like one, one fellow student, uh, we would work on problems sometimes in person. <laughs> so, you, so you took like you, you took a you took a field that I'm I'm assuming the mathematics department's relatively small. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and you did so you didn't you, you already had a very limited um, cohort of people that were on your same mm -hmm. interest wavelength. Um, they might be more advanced than you or less advanced than you, but yeah. you had very limited people, and you did it in a time where um your interaction with those people are even more limited and mm -hmm. you know you that that experience is very very unique and it's 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 good and uh 
uh, to hear that you made it through all this, um, which I'm assuming a lot of people would find that a struggle. And, and you made it through yeah. all this just being like, yeah, no, I, I, I love what I do and I would do it again. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think a lot of that is because I struggled a ton before I got to my master's. Like I, I started my master's late because I was really like, uh, hesitant to do anything until I figured out what I wanted to do. Can I ask, or, quick, can I ask quickly yeah. how, 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 how many years after high school did you start your master's? Most people might, might, might be four years. They would do their bachelor's and then go right into their master's. How, how many was it for see, you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe seven seven years no okay wow yeah you did start late yeah <laughs> yeah i think that's right <laughs> yeah I, I finished high school a year later than uh average person my age um so yeah uh, yeah <laughs> seven, seven eight maybe We've learned a lot about you. We built up this context of understanding who you are and where you came from and your struggles and uh, what and whatnot. We, we talked earlier um, with uh, Tyler Branston and he was talking about the unique lifestyle of a, you know, someone who's doing more philosophy and sociology type work, which is very, very different than I have to do. I have to go into a lab and I have to, you know, raise money to actually run all my experiments um, and, and like a lot of other scientists. What is the life of a mathematician? And maybe maybe you can even speak to whether or not the life of a grad student mathematician is different than what a full-fledged like professor mathematician might be. Maybe you have some insight into that too. Yeah. I, I think maybe well, I think there are a lot of different ways to be a mathematician. Um what's your way yeah um i really like research and at this time i'm less interested in like teaching and and becoming a, a good teacher um that will change soon but right now i'm focused on research so i, I try to fill up a lot of my time with uh problems and um uh opportunities to learn new techniques to solve problems and learn new mathematics that uh, might lead to interesting problems or uh, just just exploring my, my curiosity. It's like when I say research, I mean exploring uh, ideas and pursuing curiosity, basically. Um, and so yeah, so throughout my master's, I've basically done everything I, c I could to maximize research time and minimize coursework and TAing. <laughs> good good and, choices. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, less good for the wallet short term, you know, when you're not TAing so much. But uh, I think good for long term. And also for mental health in my case. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, when it started, I was... T took a bunch of courses and TA'd a bunch. Um, and uh, let's see. 
I don't know, uh, would you like me to just sort of summarize what my master's has been like or yeah 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 all right um yeah so okay um so i'm in my last semester of my master's and it's two-year program and uh when i started i took a bunch of courses and ta'd a bunch and uh didn't really have any research going on because i was new and in fact it, it took it took me quite a while to like settle in on a thesis problem um but uh i, I got there after like tons of iterations <laughs> like i'd have an idea and try to explore it pitch it to my supervisor he'd tell me it didn't it was like trivial or like didn't make sense or you know it wasn't like a good question or whatever for various reasons and then i would take that and try to learn from it and then just keep coming up with new ideas and keep trying to pitch new things and then after after a while i got to a point where um i was able to pitch an idea that was like a coherent mathematical problem <laughs> that was accessible and um uh and 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 like we we after after discussions we eventually uh came up with something that made sense and would work as a thesis project and that was like maybe eight months into my master's um so throughout that time i was like learning how to ask questions basically <laughs> or like learning le learning what a an interesting mathematical question looked like um also while while taking uh courses in uh, combinatorics and uh Tiang. And then, so the summer in my math, the first summer of my master's was just totally research and uh, a little bit of TAing, um, uh, which is, was actually quite a, quite a lot of fun. That TA job was, was really nice because um, I was like working with students and one on one, and it was, it was really, really good. Um, but yeah, that summer was like full on research. Had a lot of fun. Is is great. <laughs> and then um, at the end of that, I uh, pitched. I, I came up with an idea that my supervisor wasn't uh, in a position to um, uh, pursue. As a, sorry, an idea for a project that uh, my supervisor wasn't into wasn't in a position to pursue with me. So I, I pitched the idea to. Uh, another professor and um uh, he was on board with the idea and so uh fall second year uh i took on another another research project so and only took uh one course and <laughs> and uh a little bit of TAing, and now i'm doing two research projects and uh no TAing and one course <laughs> yeah do you do, you, do you, or, or is your field a lot like you work from home type of a thing Mm -hmm. um or like cafes or, or do you actually have to go to a place of work to do mathematics yeah uh, so most of my uh work involves uh writing on paper and exploring ideas and then going on a computer and uh writing programs to uh that sort of test aspects of 
the abstract structures that I'm looking into. Um, and, and then I'm at uh, plots and things, look at graphs and try to study equations or inequalities and so on. So it's nothing that requires like heavy computation. Like you can just do it on the computer you have. You don't need like a supercomputer to solve these I mean, things. It'd be nice to have a supercomputer, uh, but but yeah, uh, I can do pretty much everything that I would want to do on on my on my laptop. Um, yeah, and just out of curiosity, what do you what do you what do you program in? Like, does it does it have a connection to like a computer science person? Like, is there a specific coding language you use, or is like they're just a math language? Oh. Is... yeah. Uh, so I, I I really like Java. Um, I I'm really into object oriented the object-oriented features of Java. So I, I'll, I'll, use, I'll use that to make more complex um, programs in my research. Uh, otherwise, I'll use Python. It's very, mm-hmm. very approachable. You know, That's my I, favorite. If, yeah. <laughs> if, if, like, if, all I, if all I need to do is make some for loops and check some conditions, that's just for loops and if statements, then Python is just the simplest thing to do. I don't need anything more complicated. Um, otherwise, uh, I'll use like Desmos. You know, like Desmos is great. It's uh, Desmos.com. It just is, gives you. Oh, it's a website. Yeah, it's a website. You can just. Um, it, 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 it's it's a, it's a really great tool for making graphs. Uh, like like plotting graphs really efficient, really quickly. Then I'll even use Wolfram Alpha if I want to, uh, just like solve a quadratic or something. And I don't want to do it by hand. Nice. It's good to know that those tools I still used in high school. Still yeah, are it's still there. <laughs> yeah, I think a big piece is to like don't don't use tools that you don't need. I don't know, like like if you just need to do something really simple, like solve a quadratic, you don't need to bring out the supercomputer. <laughs> so 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 out of curious. So, so this is kind of a jokey question, but um, I was I was I was forced to buy a. a a ti-84 calculator in grade in grade 12 and that cost me 150 bucks and somewhere 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 along the lines i now own six of them and i just (laughs) and i and i've I've now lost two because i just gave them away to students who couldn't afford them um Mm -hmm. was that an investment for mathematics if i want to go into mathematics is this ti-84 that they make everyone buy an investment a good one yeah i use it all the time it's it's so important for my research i you know, I, it's so valuable to be able to just plot a function on a like hundred by hundred grid. Uh, it's just I use it all the time. Yeah, hey, I'm going to assume that sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it is. <laughs> just to be extra clear for the people at home who didn't pick up on that. Yeah, if you can get a cheap as heck laptop, definitely just use that. Don't use the. <laughs> Silly graphing calculators. That's that's fascinating because like the, that kind of makes me think like, you know, why do we still force people to buy a T eighty four? I guess the 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 the, the argument oh is a T eighty four is cheaper than a computer, and most people and you can't assume everyone has a computer. But I'm like, but if that's what the if, if the tools that real mathematicians are using is a computer, maybe we should introduce computer mathematics into things, and that might you know that might even bring in because you're using Python and Java, that might interest the computer science people if they you mm-hmm. kind of start learning that coding base earlier yeah. on. And uh, like, you don't need a laptop. You can use your phone too. Like if you have a smartphone that you can do everything you'd want. Like I, I, I could honestly do much of my programming on a 
a smartphone uh, oh really device like it <laughs> have you done like it? it do you have a uh, smartphone programming app uh i i haven't done it but like i i broadly know the specs of smartphones and like mm -hmm. yeah it doesn't take that much like like if, if, if you just have like a few for loops like the computation time isn't that much and like it's not that complex and yeah i i, I honestly if i if i had like a setup like if I had like the right uh, accessories, I, I could just totally move everything onto my smartphone and just not use my laptop. That's 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 cool. Um, oh, I want to change. I want to change high school mathematics so bad. Um, <laughs> but that is completely a different topic. Um, the 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 you you said in your in your in your story you just told us that um, you you after eight months in your master's degree. Um, you and your professor um, came up with an interesting mathematical right. question uh, for you to 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 try and solve. And I know that this is the hardest question for you to answer. Can you enlighten us on what interesting mathematical question you're trying to solve with your master's thesis? Oh, my particular one. Oh, okay. Hmm. And maybe you can start off by giving us some examples of different interesting mathematical questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. This might be where the 10 minutes of silence comes in. That is fine. Okay, I think it might start out with like trying to give a perspective on what an interesting mathematical question looks like um, <clears throat> or a problem. Uh, the, I think there are too many ways for a mathematical problem to be interesting. I, I, I don't think there's a single way to say it. Uh, but for me, um, what like the kinds of problems that I like are ones that okay first of all what is a mathematical problem and what is a mathematical problem that I would be interested in well it, it would be a basically a conjecture so there's some structure um, and maybe I maybe I could go into what I mean by structure later but there's some abstract structure and um, the conjecture is that structure has property x just some property and and that's a fact know, right it just has this property no the conjecture is that it is that it has the property gotcha uh we don't know if the conjecture is true but we think it's true and reasons why we, why we think why we think it's true is because we can't come up with a counter with any counter examples um where it isn't true or or and or uh we've Talk to the computer by writing a program, and we asked it to try to generate a bunch of counterexamples, and it can't. Um, <clears throat> but uh, the computer saying it's fine doesn't mean that uh, we actually know what's going on. So uh, then the problem is uh, figuring out why the statement is true <laughs> by appealing to. 
aspects of the abstract structure. It's like looking at its facets and figuring out, ah, yes, I see. Looking at this piece, of course, uh, the conjecture has to be true, you know. Um, or like, yeah, anyway. So that is what a mathematical problem looks like. Um, at least the kind that I uh, like to explore. And ones that are interesting are ones where uh, you would be very... You, you, If you pose, if you look at the conjecture, and you weren't thinking too hard, you'd think, "Oh, of course that's false," <laughs> you know, or like intuitively you'd think that that would not be true, but it turns out it is true. So there's like a surprise, um, and I think in particular, what makes problems interesting to me is, um, is it beautiful? Is it like the you know, if, if the conjecture is true, then that would mean some really unintuitive, unobvious elegance to the structure. That is, well, that, that's really nice. <laughs> and, and so being able to prove that it's true means you've like uncovered this underlying beauty that uh, wasn't really previously known to be there. So um, if, if I could take a quick tangent, would Mm -hmm. would this be the equivalent like like understanding trying to put this into take take a take your abstraction make it more concrete yeah would this be like the kind of like the equivalent of you know i'm just gonna use the classic i think newtonian example of you know you see that you see the apple fall from the tree and you're like oh i i, I intuitively know that if i drop something it falls right. but i don't understand the beauty behind it like you know in 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 in, in everyone's kind of head they think oh you know if you drop a heavier object it'll fall faster um and, and you have all these different diff different ideas in your head but you know that deep down everything you drop will fall mm -hmm. and then the beauty is 9.81 meters per second squared right that everything yeah. falls at the same accelerating rate until they hit terminal velocity yada 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 but mm -hmm. The beauty is that there is a mathematical number that can distill the idea that everything falls. Is it? Would that be like a good analogy there? Yeah, yeah. Essentially, I, I, I yeah, I think that's a perfect analogy. I, I think the only thing that I get a bit hung up on is like it's not necessarily the number piece. It, it really is the just the concept that yeah. like be, before it was like oh, you know, everything can fall at whatever rate, and there's like maybe an infinite number of rates or something. But oh, it's actually just one. <laughs> it's all unified. Which is, I'm just saying what you said, but <laughs> yeah. Did, did you want to add more on to your, to your piece, but your, your train of thought before? Right. Um, no, I, th I, I think that I think that explains what uh, draws me most to, to to mathematical problems. Um, I am I am curious, uh, you know, sometimes about like okay, if, you know, if, if the conjecture is true, it would be useful to mm -hmm. people. Like it would, that is nice. <laughs> That's what physicists uh, do. They they make all the conjectures that are useful, <laughs> e easily useful. Yeah, or, or or like the computer scientists as well. Like I, actually, this might be worth mentioning. The, in, in combinatorics, like a lot of the problems that I'm working on. 
um, are like if if they are to be useful, they would be useful probably in computer science or like like making algorithms more efficient or making a, um, yeah, I don't know <laughs> something in computer science. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so what what is the um, what is the problem or the interesting question that you're specifically looking into then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a hard time uh, seeing how how to how to how to explain it, um, because it's like really specific and like hard to it's, it's hard for me to see how to explain it in a general way. Is there is there a is there a picture that your math is based on, or is it all notation? Like this, it's fascinating to me that there's no picture in math. Like I'm so used to math having a a, a picture to go along with it. Um, yeah. Well. Okay. There, there is a picture. Um, uh, and it's a ten-dimensional picture. <laughs> it's a ten-dimensional picture. <laughs> no. Okay. Well. Maybe we can have a couple goes at this. <laughs> sure. So, so, um, the main problem that I'm looking into, uh, or the the main, the main result that we have that we, you know, we were able to prove, was that um, was something about <laughs> um, yeah. No, it's just jargon. It comes out next. <laughs> try it. Try it. Let's see what, see what happens. Okay. So let's see. Okay. So th- there's this idea of an arithmetic progression, which an, I think... An addition of numbers? Arithmetic progression? Yeah. Okay. Basically, it's, it's adding the same number constantly. So like... Um, you know, zero, three, six, nine, twelve. That's an mm-hmm. arithmetic progression. Mm-hmm. Or one, four, uh, seven, ten yeah. is an arithmetic progression. With the same um, amount added, uh, but offset by various amounts. Mm-hmm. So you can have an arithmetic progression of some length. This is k. So k is this the number of numbers in the arithmetic progression? Sure. And then it has a something called a generator, which is the multiples. Uh, in the arithmetic progression, so like zero, three, six, uh, there are the generators three, so like zero times three, and then one times three, and then two times three. Um, anyway, so uh, my thesis problem basically looks at these types of uh objects, mm-hmm. um, er- these arithmetic progressions. Um, and I'm trying to like combine them in a particular way. So I want the, 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 the structure I'm interested in is, uh, specifically a set of arithmetic progressions. Are um, they predefined or are they, or are they just all sets? Um, yeah, I'm interested in all sets that satisfy a particular condition. Um, and I'm trying to tell whether or d- determine when 
those sets of arithmetic progressions exist that satisfy the the condition <clears throat> and you know because it's not enough to just define something and be like oh i i care about these this structure with these properties well it might not exist <laughs> you have to prove that it exists mm-hmm. um and so that's that's one of our main results um and uh it would I think take some pictures <laughs> to to sort of describe exactly what the problem is and what the condition is that I'm talking about. Um, but uh, but yeah, the the problem is the the question is an existence problem. Like what, what, when when does the structure exist? And when does it not exist? Um, which is to say, like. Um, how many like do, do, do does the structure not exist when you have too many arithmetic prog- progressions or what if the arithmetic progressions are all really big or what if the generators are all really small or something like this um, and so there's a lot of uh, there are a lot of variables at, at play in this structure and um, so determining when the structure exists means figuring out what combinations of values of these variables um, permit the structure to exist so 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 maybe maybe I can just state my interpretation and this you know I'm, I'm gonna butcher Perfect. butcher the math here yeah. but it, it it sounds like conceptually you have all these arithmetic progressions and i and i think we made two examples that make that easily tangible to people's heads um just a series of numbers of the same number being added to some originating number yeah um and you're trying to find out maybe some sort of proof or equation of when something or when it when a arithmetic progression exists when a set of arithmetic progressions exist it's like i'm i'm combining arithmetic progressions um and so in my head i'm thinking okay so you gave us these words generators and you gave us these words um how right. long the progress or how long the arithmetic progression is mm-hmm. um and in my head conceptually what i'm thinking is well intuitively if your arithmetic progression is the length of your arithmetic progression intuitively to me i don't think would affect the outcome i could be wrong on that but if you if you if you keep adding a certain number it wouldn't affect its existence um and then secondly what could affect it in my head is thinking well if you're if your generator is super small or like and again this is this is more using a a a number line we've all known you probably are using variables here and just letters um but like if a generator was i guess zero for example (laughs) right it wouldn't be an arithmetic progression (laughs) right yeah okay yeah um (laughs) so that 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 conceptually makes sense to me um right yeah yeah there, there are these sort of bounds on because I can, I can visual based on the variables you gave mm-hmm. me. Um, mm-hmm. 
I can I can just think of examples where that progression doesn't exist. Therefore, is there a singular way that you can prove when they do exist? Is kind of what I'm thinking your project is. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's very much like that. And and I've I you know I haven't told you some like really important conditions <laughs> on these uh, sets of arithmetic progressions here. So yeah, you don't have that much to work with, unfortunately. But but you've yeah, that, that's right. You can't have an arithmetic progression with a generator zero. <laughs> so, so is 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 there is there a reason why you're putting certain conditions on these arithmetic progressions? Like, wouldn't you, wouldn't a mathematician want the proof for what is like when does arithmetic progression exist rather than putting arbitrary? I mean, it's it's an abstract thing, so there's kind of is arbitrary limitations, um, but. Is there a reason why you're putting certain limitations on with arithmetic progressions you're nice. looking at? Nice. Yeah. So, so the the thing about conditions is that um, they allow you to uh, they, here's an example. Okay, you could study all the integers. Um, you know, you add an integer plus one, you get the next integer. You know, and there's negative numbers. <laughs> yep. Um, there, there's like, yeah, yeah, and you you can multiply integers together, and you get another integer. Is so, it going to be something where like it, there's there's if you don't put constraints on it, it the answer is infinity? <laughs> is that what basically, we're going with? <laughs> basically, there isn't that much interesting going on. Like, if you don't have any constraints, then it's just like that's uh, just the integers. It's just <laughs> you know, but but if you if you then impose some constraints like. Okay, I care about integers that don't have any divisors except for themselves and one. Then, like, we know very little <laughs> about what's going on there, and, and and those are the prime numbers. Like, we, we don't we don't even know the distribution of the prime numbers, um, or or like we 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 have like an estimate, which is quite good actually, but it's we really don't like we don't have a function that tells us like oh what's the nth prime number. Mm-hmm. So like we're very we know very little about that and and that's the prime numbers are very interesting in fact they, they actually come up in my in my in my thesis problem in an interesting way and i'd be very interested to know <laughs> you know if there was a function that t- told us what the nth prime number was it would make my life so much easier um and uh whereas you know i i know what the nth integer is <laughs> then <laughs> and that doesn't help me at all mm-hmm. so so it really helps to um uh have constraints and so, uh, study structures with particular constraints so that's, that's kind of fascinating because 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 you know I, I didn't really realize this until 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 just now it's like you know science like or physics has a constraint it's your restraints in in, in a weird way is reality <laughs> Yeah, totally. Um, so, so you know, you have to do things in the confines of reality and the tools you have. Whereas, because you're dealing in such an abstract concept of mathematics, the concept, mathematics is an, isn't a material object. So you right. have an infinite expanse in every direction, and you know the the joke the jo- our, 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 our joke our joke that you know is the na- the the 
made us get the name of the podcast as well um when you have no ends to your to your boundaries you, the answer has to be infinity because right. <laughs> it just goes on forever um yeah yeah so you know you could sassily if you make a really if you make a bad math question um mm -hmm. you know let's say your supervisor like approved a bad math question you could just hand a thesis that just said the answer is infinity because you didn't give me any constraints um because we're dealing in a boundless thing yeah that's true um, good work yeah so really in in in, re in research to do research you need constraints yeah absolutely you, um yeah just mathematics yeah. is one of those ones where it just naturally by the system you're working in there is no constraints which is fascinating in of itself i i, I think it makes it i think that's one of the big challenges in mathematics because you have to like yeah you you can define anything you can impose whatever constraints you want on anything but you know very very usually it's not interesting <laughs> so is, is is there any like some quick restraints that are like beyond prime numbers that are relevant like i, I feel like 90 percent of making a question interesting is you have to make the constraints interesting really yeah um so is there is there is are there are there easy to explain constraints beyond just prime numbers because prime numbers i can conceptually get they're very unique numbers that can be divided up divided by themselves in one mm -hmm. what are some are, are there any other constraints that are interesting on on other any, any objects problem. besides introduce yeah. yeah 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 well um yeah. like it has to be square rootable is that interesting <laughs> right 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 yeah well then yeah that, then that's uh if, if by square rootable you mean that the result is an integer yeah then uh yeah then, then you're just looking at integers that are squares um and yeah that's interesting actually that th that that's related to a condition in 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 my thesis problem <laughs> funny enough <laughs> um anyway but yeah uh, another example maybe to go for a geometric one something that's maybe a bit easier to visualize is um one of a a regular polygon. A regular polygon? What's a regular polygon versus a irregular polygon? Right. So so a polygon is, you know, you just have a plane, like a flat surface and a bunch of points on the mm -hmm. plane. And then you draw lines connecting the points. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a polygon. Uh, and a regular polygon is when the points are arranged in in a particular way where the angle and line length between each uh or connecting all the points uh are are equal oh, like, or, or like, like, like an equilateral like, triangle yeah an equilateral triangle is a regular polygon of size three a square yeah a square is a regular polygon of size <laughs> a rectangle is not <laughs> a rectangle is not exactly uh, and then and then a, uh, um what we think of as a pentagon uh, we, we, when we think of a pentagon we think of a regular pentagon <laughs> i mean that i i think of the 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 u.s uh, national defense but you know to each their own <laughs> well, i guess <laughs> well I, I, I mean i think i think the the u.s national defense pentagon is actually a regular <laughs> pentagon so <laughs> um yeah so so uh there you know we have polygons which mm -hmm. are sort of the base structures that we're looking at and then the we're, we're imposing the constraint of regularity equal size equal size lines and equal angles between uh lines at a point um 
Actually, a, a question sort of related to uh, my, my other research project. Um, I chose this example for uh, a reason, um, beyond it just being easy to visualize. Uh, is, well, if you imagine a clock, um, you know, it has 12 points. Uh, you know, just the numbers, <laughs> 1 to 12. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's not too hard to, to imagine like a regular, uh, or, or, or an equilateral triangle being uh, embedded on a clock. Mm -hmm. you, you know, you take 12 and then what? Four, four and eight, yeah. <laughs> and you Sounds put, right. <laughs> look at those lines, and then you draw, or so those points. And then you draw lines between them. You get an equilateral triangle. And then, if you did, you, you could get a square as well. If you did, uh, if if you um, selected twelve, three, six, and nine, mm -hmm. you draw lines connecting those points. And then you get a square. But um, how are you going to do it if you try to select five points? It's um, not divisible by five. It's not divisible by five, yeah. So that you can't do it. You can't get a regular polygon. Um, a regular pentagon. Uh, you could do it uh, for uh, six. You can select six points, just like all, all the even numbers, all, all the odd numbers. You can get a mm -hmm. regular uh, hexagon. But the it turns out that... Um, if you want, um, if if you if you you know, you just can't get over this, and you're just like, wow, you know, I really want a regular pentagon mm -hmm. or a regular heptagon, seven, seven points, um, uh, and you know, I know I can't because five and seven don't divide twelve. Um, what's the next best thing? And it, it turns out that there is a. Uh, it is possible to uh, come up with like an almost regular pentagon, um, you know, where you just select five five points uh, on the clock. Um, and it turns out that that arrangement is actually uh, unique. And so, so like that, like that arrangement is is equally unique as a regular uh, hexagon would be. Um, and there are and it's approximations, right? Like you're, 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 it's not like you're making vertices that are in between hours. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's sort of approximate. It's like, it's 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 definitely not a regular hep, uh, pentagon, but it's almost like like one of the like one of the line lengths is just a bit off, and so we're not so happy. But we are happy because in a different way because that particular arrangement is just as unique as a regular um as if it was regular hmm. and i mean that's not obvious but the, but it has been proven and that's cool <laughs> um and uh so yeah in my uh I, I guess in that sense you know we have polygons and we impose the the, the constraint that we have not just regular polygons, but like as regular as possible. <laughs> and if we say, if, if, we, if we have our constraint be as regular as possible, then that allows us to say something uh, uniquely about polygons of size, of any size. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
so just for the the for the for the um transitioning um to outwards now from this from this that was actually kind of very fascinating um by the way like i f honestly i fully understood um everything you said and i kind of feel weird about it um well it's combinatorics it's <laughs> um it's 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 like often uh relatively easy to understand the problems but like really hard to like actually like understand the proofs like it's really hard but and yeah. and one of the one of the things that i think will stick with me for 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 a little while is how so many and it might i might even come up in future research projects just it'll it'll be in the back of my head is just all the research that we usually talk about the constraints the systems you work in the constraints are predefined whereas mathematics mm -hmm. you have to you know everyone's living in this white endless mathematicians you live in a white endless void and you have to decide where you're stopped to look in your white endless void um, which is cool to think about yeah you have to figure out what's interesting but then there's always the trap of like maybe you or the 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 the, the pitfall of like maybe you think something's interesting but it's not actually that interesting <laughs> whereas if you're a scientist then you always have reality to rely on that's just that's like, just that's real. I mean, I mean, scientists too can get trapped in the pitfall if you think something's interesting and then you realize you spend your entire career on it and it's like, oh, it was an artifact of the tool I was using, not uh, actually a real life phenomenon. So you still, you still right. get that. Different problems, yeah. D different, different, different problems conceptually. Right. The same um, right. issues where, you know, research is just, that's why it's research. Your, <laughs> your, your, your question or your, what you think is interesting could end up being wrong and that's just something that's right i you know we've only talked to a limited people so far but i think that's something that's i guess now that i'm realizing it that's that's a, that's a truth across all research i don't think there's a yeah. single research field we could find it out in you know the next two three five years we'll find <laughs> we'll find someone um yeah. who thinks um who, whose field always is interesting um but i think research by definition you have the opportunity to find out that hey the interesting thing isn't very interesting at all at the end of the day yeah i, th I think that's a, a feature of just exploration you know um something i found is that it's 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 totally okay to come up with something that's not interesting or to be wrong the the main thing is to try to improve your good idea to bad idea ratio <laughs> <laughs> yeah really <laughs> if 10 percent of your ideas are good then hey you're doing great <laughs> <laughs> one, one thing one thing that i find interesting with 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 this kind of like um dichotomy is not the right word but i'm going to go with it um between mathematics and um a lot of how science can be done is mathematics because you're putting because you live in the white void um you put your own constraints on it and it's by the very nature of putting your own constraints in a white void there's a lot of acceptance that your question could not i would imagine there's a lot of acceptance that your question could not be interesting at the end of the day like you know you think it's gonna be interesting it's not interesting i'm would you would you say that that could happen with relative frequency i don't know i, I like the 
I think like you, you have to have an argument for why you're looking into something. Like, why are we defining this? Why is this like is there precedence for it? Like, like I'm looking into my thesis problem because it's a generalization of of some structure that people have already looked into, um, and I'm generalizing the property. So, like, there's precedence for it, and also like the the flavor of the constraint is well studied in other areas and different structures. Um, so, like, if you're just defining something and uh, I really so, don't think it's that common for, for mm -hmm. people to just sort of come up with something and then define it and be like, hey, here we go. <laughs> you know? So there, there, there is, there is, I guess, has to be by extension of just kind of listening to that. There, there's some sort of database of problems that have been solved and, 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 and structures that have been solved. Um, so, so, so yeah. what you're doing, there is a, I, I'm not sure how mathematics you would Google search that, but you can build off of known algorithms or whatnot i mean it's just academic journals it's what, what, what did people look into and you know have they looked at this aspect and no okay i'll write a paper on that <laughs> it's interesting because then it's, it's then it's like you know conceptually the exact same way that like, other research has done too you, even though you have this yeah. endless void you're still building upon what is known period like science you know you 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 still do iterate um i was wondering if there was there is a difference there but it doesn't seem like there is yeah, I, I mean, I, th I feel like the difference is that reality isn't the constraint. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, if, if you're working with integers, they have to be totally ordered. <laughs> like, that's the constraint. You can't just pretend that integers aren't totally ordered. Um, and if you're, like, working with sets, uh, you know, you have to make sure that it's well-defined and you aren't saying, like, there are two elements in the same set that are distinct you know what i mean like just sort of <laughs> obvious contradictory like like you can't have logical contradictions basically and and, and there are some fundamental axioms uh, at play as well like if you have a set then there's uh, like a, a set of a of like in, uh if you have a totally ordered set then there's a minimum element like that's it's sort of obvious but it's an axiom you know Mm -hmm. And an axiom is like a tr mathematical truth, essentially. Yeah, it's it's, it's like it's, a law of it's reality, in a sense. Yeah, it's 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 ma yeah math reality. It's like you know if you drop an object, it will fall. Right. <laughs> um. Would you 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 know now that now that we we got through the 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 burden of explaining what you do, and I seem receptive of it because i actually like legitimately i understand it you seem very excited now he's like you're like nervous you're like oh gosh what am i gonna do everything's gonna combust and how am i gonna explain mathematics to to, to the general audience you did a great job on it um but you 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 make it very easy to uh, <laughs> to, to do yeah, so <laughs> the the but you know now now i can see the uh you're getting a smile on your face it's great would you would you yeah. say that you know you 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 would you say that your life is awesome right now? Is my life awesome right now? In a uh, relative sense, you're getting where you're going, you're doing what you love. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I yeah, uh, de definitely. Um, in fact, I, I, I just submitted my uh, PhD application like oh, within you, a week. <laughs> did you just tell me last week that you haven't done thought about it yet? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I did it right after. <laughs> <laughs> did you have to come up with a problem yet, or did you just apply for it? I'm just curious how mathematics works. Oh um, yeah, uh, no, just applied for it. Um, it was, it was sus suspicious in that, like, didn't have to have very much part of the application. Hmm. Like, just two reference 
letters and CV and transcripts. <laughs> Literally it. Interesting. I, I mean, I'm I, all... I, I included a research statement because it just felt really weird making a PhD application without anything else. But I mean, I'm I'm all for easy applications. I think there's a lot of people yeah. who spend ask so much for applications. Like who can like it's so long, no human being can actually rationally comprehend the length of this all these documents. Yeah. Um is so so what do you think has been your most if, if is there what do you think is your most memorable moment you've had on this 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 journey into mathematics? Is is there one moment you think about in particular that gave you a whole bunch of endorphins? Hmm. What made you the happiest? Let's see a moment. I I think I'll have I'll come to mo moments in a second. But I think when I realized that I could pursue research, um, and I I didn't have to just sort of silo myself in coursework and essentially like you know I I was allowed into the playground. <laughs> you know, when I realized that that was happening and. In fact, uh, I was like encouraged to do that, and there were multiple faculty and you know people here who were like, "Yeah, heck yeah, go for it." <laughs> um, that that really made me just feel so so happy and uh, um, excited and um, like I could do what like I've always wanted to do, you know. <laughs> It's it's what I've been looking for. <laughs> it's kind of fascinating because the way the way you're the way you're talking and the language you're using, it sounds like you know really the key piece is just of what really changed your life and your whole journey was just encouragement. Yeah, it's 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 it, it seems like your your life has been an example of you know if, if, if the, the the other people encouraging you or believing in mm -hmm. in certain aspects of your life is what really directed you to get where you are, which is. A whole entire philosophical conversation i can <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think that's right yeah um so is there is um just a couple more questions before we before i before i you know unfortunately have to leave your massive amazing beard um we we there we've we've you know we, we've talked about your 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 best moment that you that you've had in your in your journey um and you, you've had a lot of experiences through your life and um you know there's always the the the, the concept of experiences or what and, and living your life is what gives you wisdom really that you can pass on mm -hmm. um is there any particular um advice um that you could give your past self to solve a dilemma um is there any wisdom that if you could you would impart upon your past self and the, and and the kind of motivation of this is maybe someone else is having a similar dilemma and yeah. you know that advice is relevant to them totally yeah um i think um i think in my case i spent a lot of time not accepting that i was really curious about ideas and that that was okay and 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 that that was like you know i could make a profession out of that like I, I just really did not believe that. So I spent a lot of time trying to force myself into considering like professional uh, 
careers um, in law or accounting or something, things like this. The real jobs. <laughs> the real jobs, exactly. Yeah. And um, I think this is a common thing, but yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it's really funny. Like, I, um, I would say one thing. I would say, like, I want a real job, that sort of thing. But in my head, I would be screaming, like, no, I just want to, like, think about stuff and explore intellectual things, you know? And um, uh, I did that for several years in my, in my early 20s. And I think, um, honestly, you know, getting back to the encouragement, I, I think for, for, for myself, you know, I, I don't know, for, for maybe I, I didn't get uh, enough encouragement as a kid. Um, but I, I think, yeah, if I went back in time, I'd just say, hey, it's okay. Just, just right. Just, <laughs> just, a gen yeah. just a gentle hug. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, just just keep exploring. Like, focus on that. Don't worry about the things that you know you don't want to do. Like, <laughs> focus on the things that you do want to do. You're young. You have time. It's okay. Um, I, I think uh, probably... People who, are, who have similar personalities and similar upbringings as me might uh, value something like that. <laughs> Just like, it's okay. <laughs> it's a great phrase. It's okay. <laughs> my my, my go-to phrase is, it's all good. It's all good. Everything will work out. <laughs> I always have to fight my, my interviewees once in an interview, and I say this question at the very end because you, you would probably just completely decimate me. But here's my one fighting question for you. Okay, yeah. Is it possible that there's a different mat mathematical system that an alternate civilization would have that breaks human mathematics? I think so. I mean, I I'm not sure about the breaking, but I, I, I could definitely think that, uh, you know, imagine that there would be like a totally different system. Like, you know, we, we think in lines, like, you know, like if, 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 if you get deep into mathematics you'll find that like everything's basically matrices and like like linear algebra <laughs> at least that's how we how we think about it what do you mean by matrices like is there is like coordinate like three-dimensional systems is that what you would mean by matrices i would say i encourage the the listener to google representation theory <laughs> and then i'll step back and um say that you know, intuitively, we think about lines, and mm -hmm. you know, when when we convey information, we 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 do it on a plane, with like a, a plot. You know, y-axis and x-axis, and that, that's how mathematicians convey information too. Like it's it's not like we can see a billion dimensions, um, and and also we think about we think in terms of rules, um, and like governing systems, and I I'm curious, maybe there are um, ways of understanding systems that just totally have that are based on like just total intuition for emergent complexity like you know i don't know if, if, if you're familiar with or listeners are familiar with, with the idea of, a, of cellular cellular automata or like the game of life um the idea that you have like this grid of points um or squares and they're either filled or unfilled and there's some rule that governs uh, you know, whether or not a cell gets filled or unfilled in the next time step. And so, um, depend, you know, different rule sets can have different emergent patterns uh, in, in the grid. 
And the way that we understand those um, those cellular automata systems is by looking at the rules, and then um, studying like initial uh, configurations of filled and unfilled cells, and seeing you know where do the rules take them. But maybe there's another civilization out there. Maybe there's another way of thinking about mathematics or uh, another type of brain that just sees exactly the emergent complexity. <laughs> like, like they just see branching trees. Like, like it's just it's just so intuitive. Um, so, uh, yeah, m maybe there's a civilization out there that can, um, you know, they. They look at Earth. They they look at evolution, and they they see the, you know, the, this this system based on uh, DNA and replication and reproduction and differential success and all this. And they're like, oh yeah, I, I see where this is going. Mm -hmm. in two billion years, yeah, this is just gonna, you know, those things are gonna get an extra arm, and those <laughs> creatures are gonna start flying soon. Like, I don't know. <laughs> if, if if there's a different way of knowing, I would say maybe there's. Maybe, yeah, I would say it, it intuits evolution or intuits emergent complexity. So. It was, it, it was, it was, it was all. It's always something that I, that I think about because you know you always. I, I've heard the argument of you know is mathematical a human construct? Did did, did humans invent mathematics just like humans invented um, or, or like like or the same the same similar thing like gender theory is a societal construct? Um, is the way we think constrained? by that construct and specifically I, I was curious what your response would be to that question because you know you were saying before about your 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 master's uh projects and you know one, one of the things you like about mathematics is that what you do now is true thirty thousand years from now and what mm -hmm. you do what you do now is always true mm -hmm. and so and so that, that that kind of made me want kind of gave me this question where i was like but what if the system changes what if you had a different civilization come in and they're trying to look at your mathematics and you know conceptually it's now actually extremely hard for them to decipher your mathematics because they just have a different constructive mathematics that is true in their system of how sure. they see the the universe i guess yeah i i guess i have a i i i don't see how they would be how it would be contradictory <clears throat> like like newtonian physics is still true um even though it's it's not Based on a like a, a, a fundamental enough understanding of the universe, um, it's still true. And I, I, you know, it might be might be the case that all the mathematics that we come up with today or that I come up with uh, is still true in a, in a, like a Newtonian sense. Uh, it's just technology. very rudimentary, I guess, like unevolved or unsophisticated. It, yeah, yeah, it might might turn out to be just trivial, or just like like oh, because we totally now understand. And into it, uh, emergent complexity. <laughs> uh, we, all this combinatoric stuff and all this—you uh, know—it's just—it's all trivial. It just—it just comes out of this. Uh, I don't know. This system that we now understand. Uh, someone makes so, the equate. Someone makes the equation that just solves all combinatorics. And <laughs> exactly, exactly. Except I don't know if it's an equation. It might be some totally un unknowable thing mm -hmm. right now. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think at worst uh, it would be trivial, and uh, and that's that's okay. That's how progress works. <laughs> All right, Teo, we're at the last question. It's the right. question I've been. It's the question I gave every single one of our interviewees. Um, as I said, I've been given this question for the last decade. I'm not stopping now, and I'm not stopping with you. 
And I'm sure that you can you can give me some interesting nuggets. And I'm curious what your interesting chicken nuggets are. Um, we were taught in grade school that we should all strive to learn one thing every single day. I already learned a whole bunch from this interview. I've learned the 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 th the threads of how mathematics is similar to science. I've actually understood your project, which is amazing. Um, but I'm going to ask you one more time to blow my mind and make me learn one more thing. I don't care what the one thing is. It could be about um, a life hack. It could be about how to make the best coffee. It could be how to, you know, um, best tie your shoelaces. I don't care what it is. It can be <laughs> anything at all. But Teo, after I ask this question, the pod, the podcast is yours. Your words are going to be the last thing that every single listener hears. And my question is to you, Teo, Gady. What is your favorite fun fact? What can we all learn from you? The floor is yours. Take it away. Well, um, fun fact. I, I yeah. Uh, at the very least, it's, it's something that I've found very clarifying, and maybe it's clarifying to other people. Um, may, maybe some will disagree that you know this isn't how the world actually is. But in any case, I think it's useful for um, how humans think about things. Every system is made up of components and relationships between those components. So there's stuff and then the relationships between the stuff. Uh, another way of putting it is that there's like, um, like concepts and then implications of uh, th those concepts. So everything is just stuff and implications. It's just two things. I don't know. I, maybe that's not clarifying to some, but I, that at some point in my undergrad, I remember realizing that when I was like studying biology, uh, and like, oh, it, you're just like always looking at some scale, and there's like organisms, and then they're relating to each other. That's all it is. <laughs> and if you're looking at chemistry, it's molecules and relate with each other and atoms relate with each other and make molecules uh, you know <laughs> like it's trivial it's pretty obvious but it's just two things <laughs> I don't want no lunch, all I want is potato chips. Potato chips, how my mouth does be potato chips. Cold, drip, 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 crunch, crunch. I don't want no lunch, all I want is potato chips.